this is Lissa and Jerry Lee. Welcome to Experience Eden, This Side of Heaven. We hope this conversation will speak to your heart and inspire joy. Welcome back to Experience Eden on This Side of Heaven. Yes, so we are in part four of our series, Hope in the End Times. So today we're going to be talking about Armageddon, the millennium, and the new heaven and the new earth. But first we want to recap a little bit um, from part three. So we want to just remind everybody that this Jesus that we serve, our beautiful servant king, he's humble, he's forgiving, he's loving. Uh, this is where we're going to find him as uh, a roaring lion. He's going to come back um, as a fighter, as a soldier for righteousness, for believers and people who persevered in his name. So we get to see um, Jesus in a different light. He is still the loving and forgiving and compassionate God. But now he's coming back really um, to follow his promises of um, how he's going to handle people who denied and rejected him. Uh, so this is kind of an exciting thing for believers. It can be really scary to new believers. It should be scary to unbelievers, <laughs> really, for being honest. But uh, the reality is, uh, again, just just like we named the series, and it's the reason why we named the series, there still is hope. Uh, again, we talked about the Bible being an incredible history book that is also um, accurately prophetic. But the thing is, Book of Revelations is a book of hope, uh, but it's also a book of warning. Mm -hmm. And we would be foolish to read this book, to be followers of Jesus, and to not actually heed the warnings and then go ahead and share it, which is what we're doing today. Yep. Um, so Romans 12, 19 uh, just sums this up so well because a lot of the things that we deal with in life, um, injustices that we feel, or even for unbelievers or people who think um, repentance is maybe something I'll do later in the future when I think the end is coming, uh, for people like that, um, you know, sometimes for believers who are living in righteousness and trying to do everything to the best of their abilities with honesty and truth and character, sometimes we wonder why do, you know, good things happen to bad people and yeah. why do bad things happen to good people? And it's just a reminder in Romans twelve nineteen, Dearly beloved, so not avenge yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And at the end of the book of Revelations, in this episode four of our series, this is where we see God pouring out his vengeance mm -hmm. and righting all the wrongs and correcting all the injustices that we've suffered as believers. Um, and it's a good reminder that you can follow Jesus. Uh, you can be righteous and maintain your own character and integrity, and God will handle the rest. No one gets away with anything. Exactly. And it's a good reminder. You yeah. Know, it's, it's a good reminder that God will handle the people who behave with evil. Yep. Uh, it's also a good reminder to be steadfast in righteousness, even when it's not convenient and when it doesn't seem fair, um, just, just to persevere. And then another one of my favorite verses, John 5, 26 through 29. For as the Father has life in himself, so he granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> these, these are big words. Yeah, judgment, for sure. condemnation, and... Um, in a society of narcissism and instant gratification and entitlement, we don't like words like judgment and condemnation. Nope. We think, you know, everybody gets a trophy and everybody gets an <laughs> girl or an boy just for showing up, yep. right? Uh, but the reality is your conduct, your words, um, your very heart and intentions are going to be analyzed, judged, and appropriately condemned or rewarded depending on your character. Yeah. And so that's a good reminder um, that this God that we're devoting our life to, this Jesus Christ who we're trying to be conformed into the image of, um, that in the suffering, in doing that, we will have a reward and the people who reject him will have condemnation. He's uh, just. And 
Exactly. Yeah. So out of that, you know, he's going to do the right thing. We don't have to have that vengeance. Just like you said, like mm-hmm. we may suffer for a little bit, but everyone's going to get what you reap, what you sow, you exactly. know? And that's why people are like, why do the wicked prosper and all that kind of like, they don't trust me. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. Maybe in this world, but. Well, this is the thing too. It's that, um, if I want to submit my life and surrender my life and my, my behavior mm-hmm. and my service to a God that I expect to keep his promises mm-hmm. and to be just, it, it's not one-sided. It can't be just just and promise-keeping for good. Mm-hmm. It has to be just and promise-keeping for righteousness and integrity. And if you don't um, adhere to his rules, there has to be a just consequence. Yeah. So I don't want a wishy-washy God. Mm-hmm. I don't want a God who says, you know, here are my rules, follow them. On a curve. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the other part is though, like as a parent, just as an earthly mom, um, I need to have uh, enforcement of my rules and my boundaries that I establish for my son mm-hmm. for a multitude of reasons, but also because he will learn that if mommy does what she says and punishes me, if I you know step outside of the boundaries or the rules, um, he will respect me mm-hmm. and adhere to those rules. And the same thing is with our Heavenly Father. Definitely. And so it's important to remember that. Um, but Jesus will return with his people, his chosen, his believers, uh, and judgment will come. Mm-hmm. And so it's a good reminder, too, that at some point we will, sometimes we feel like we're fighting for Jesus and we're per- persevering for Jesus, and it's not a tangible thing just mm-hmm. yet. Um, but in the end times, at the end of Revelation, uh, we get to come back with him mm-hmm. and not only live for him, but live with him. Yes. And there's a big difference. Um, he's not, he's not so much tangible to us yet. We can't, we don't live in union with him in terms of visually and tangibly. He's here in spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we believe by faith. Yep. I was going to say that's where faith comes in. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But it's good to know that at the end of this journey, um, that that faith will be realized and it will no longer be abstract. It will yep. be very much tangible. And so that's also another good reminder. And then some of the other things that we talked about, just to kind of recap, um, our last episode, we discussed the mark of the beast, mm-hmm. um, the abomination of desolation. Um, these two uh, events dramatically changed the trajectory of the tribulation period. It's a time of great distress and mm-hmm. um, a lot of... Uh, lies and deceit. Um, and the beast tries to enforce mankind, uh, to accept his mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, we discussed at great length in our uh, third part of this series, what that means, what that might look like. Um, and then it will limit people. Mm-hmm. And like we discussed just now with the pandemic, limiting people's ability to buy and sell or conduct business has such cr- catastrophic global, um, social, mental implications and, and impact uh, to be honest, up until this last year with the pandemic, I didn't understand the gravity of that. Yeah. And like we mentioned in the last uh, episode, it's like, it almost felt like a dry run. And again, not in the fact that, that anything about COVID was um, the mark of the beast, but it gave us a dry run of how we can be impacted if we are globally restricted yeah. for any reason. Yeah. Um, certainly with the mark of the beast and, and being limited in how we can conduct business or commerce. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we discussed that in the last episode. Um, But one of the things that I wanted to remind people of is in Revelation uh, chapter 14, uh, 6 through, I think is like maybe 13, angels will appear and say in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory for the hour of judgment has come. Mm -hmm. Angels will come and speak to people after the mark of the beast, after the rapture and all of the people who are left to essentially, it's a, it's a run wild world with all of these unbelievers, um, and then angels will appear mm-hmm. and say, fear God. You would think that everybody will listen. Like, okay. <laughs> They've seen great, you know, catastrophic destruction and yeah. wars and, and all of these different things. You would think everybody would be on high alert. Yeah. Then uh, another angel will come and say, fallen is Babylon the great. Mm-hmm. And if anyone worships the beast and its image and receives its mark on their forehead or right hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury. Mm. I mean, it's like a heavenly Can't be megaphone. more clear, though. Like, <laughs> it blows my mind. It blows my mind that anybody would say, huh, what do you think? You think they're onto something here? Yeah. It's just, it's amazing to me that even in, in this current uh, situation, we haven't seen those things yet. Mm-hmm. And even to me now, I'm thinking, how can people not see this as real? Yeah. How can you, how can you have experienced, listened, read the Bible, talked to someone about the Bible and not see that it is so prophetically accurate and that we are living in end times? Um, then 
In Revelations 14, 18 through 20, it's a graphic display of Jesus's wrath being poured out upon mankind. And the visual is so graphic and um, a lot of New Testament believers and people who are exposed initially to the New Testament, um, again, we get the compassionate, loving, righteous Jesus, and um, we don't focus as much on God's wrath. Mm -hmm. And so in those verses I just mentioned, they're going to talk about Jesus returning and all the inhabitants of the earth at that time being put into a wine press, an actual visual of human beings being trampled and crushed. And the Bible says that blood, their blood will flow throughout Israel. Mm -hmm. And it's such a graphic visual. Um, and it's just such a reminder that God is not messing around. Yeah. <laughs> he is loving and kind, but at the same time, he expects um, respect mm -hmm. and he expects us to be faithfully obedient it's a word we don't like to hear a lot, you know, a lot. Like, oh, I'm just a good person. I don't have to be obedient. Yeah. You have to be. Yeah, exactly. And um, so then this is culminating now coming into the end of end of days. Uh, the seven angels and seven bowls of wrath, seven bold judgments or the seven last plagues. Um, and the reason they're called the last plagues, there's quite a few uh, episodes of plagues mm -hmm. in the Bible going all the way back to Egypt. Um, with the Pharaoh and Moses and the plagues. Um, and there's been some modern day plagues, obviously COVID you yep. could argue is one of them. But in this aspect of Revelation, they're talking about the last seven. And the reason they say that is going to be the final ones, literally in terms of there won't be more, but also in terms of the fact that it's going to be at the end of time. It's a mm -hmm. completion. Mm -hmm. It's a finalization of yep. the wrath of God. Um, the first one will be festering sores on those who have accepted the mark of the beast. Mm -hmm. Number two, the sea will turn to blood, killing all that live in it. Mm -hmm. And you know, this biblical area that we talk about, you know, fishing is a huge, um, not only commerce, but uh, they rely on it for food. Yeah. Um, number three, all fresh water will turn to blood, which means there will be nothing drinkable. And that's terrifying. Mm -hmm. um, number four, the sun will scorch and burn people and they will curse God and refuse to repent. And I think that's so interesting that they put that in there. Yeah. So when all of this is going on, people will be crying out to God, but not for repentance, not, not for, for mercy. Yeah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> just like cursing them. That's just so wild to yeah. me. I can't believe that anyone would not recognize at the very least after the rapture, that this God guy is for real. Yeah. But then on top of it, just, you know, shaking their fist at heaven going, why are you doing this to me? How dare yeah. you do this to me? Just shows you how wicked the hearts of men really are. Exactly. Well, because we're so prideful. Yeah. And it, you know, it's so evident even in relationships and interpersonal things, um, mm -hmm. just to segue a tiny bit, our pride and the feeling that we should get what we want mm -hmm. and the entitlement of I need and I deserve what I want and it makes me happy. Uh, it's so destructive mm -hmm. and it blinds you from truth. Yep. It blinds you from peacekeeping. And in this case, it's going to, it's going to prohibit you from salvation. Yeah. And it's right in front of you and yeah. you still can't. How? Yeah. It just blows my mind. And then, uh, number five, all light will be removed from the heavens and earth. Mm. Number six, the Euphrates river dries up. And this is of a lot of significance in this context mm -hmm. because it's going to be a pivotal, um, position for the kings of the east coming for the final battles on earth mm -hmm. this will be an important thing because if this doesn't happen then the kings can advance through or across the euphrates river and it's actually going to be a necessary pivotal part again to fulfill the prophecy yep and then number seven lightning thunder and a catastrophic earthquake finalized by 100 pound hailstones that will rain down on mankind could you imagine <gasps> i can't imagine it's it, but again, the Bible then goes on to say, and people will shake their fist at yeah. heaven and rebuke God. Yeah. Why are you doing this mm -hmm. to me? Mm -hmm. And it just goes to show if you're looking outward and what's going on around you and how it's all wrong and bad and not internalizing it and going, huh, maybe I need to fix something. Yeah, maybe it's me. <laughs> yeah, maybe I need to reevaluate how I'm living or how I'm behaving. And it's just that's the prideful, sinful nature of man. And finally, before we go any further, um, there's a lot of reference to Babylon mm -hmm. in Revelation. Babylon is no longer a place, per se. Um, Babylon is more a posture or a, um, a societal or cultural or governmental position now. Mm -hmm. um, Babylon, of course, is an ancient city that was known for its sinfulness, for its immorality, for its sexual Im improprieties and immorality and prostitution and idolatry and all of the sinful, debaucherous behaviors that you could possibly imagine 
people went to Babylon for that. Yeah. Because that's what Babylon was about. Mm -hmm. And so it has taken on uh, the symbolism of the depravity of man and um, how man can fall to self-gratification. And uh, Revelation 17.5 says, it talks about a woman, mm -hmm. but it's in reference to Babylon. And it says, the name written on her forehead was a mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes, and the abomination of the earth. And so, again, Babylon and the great prostitute, um, it obviously has a negative connotation, no matter what century you live in. But uh, what was interesting to, upon a little more research was that um, it goes back into all the temptress, all mm. of the Jezebel, yeah. all of the how can I entice men to sin? Mm -hmm. um, how can I entice men into sexual immorality, into drunkenness, into um, desiring money yeah. and stature and mm. a success? And uh, it is, it's a seductress. So, um, it's not to, um, personify evil as female. That's not it at all, but it goes back to what is seductive to men. Yeah. What can, um, what can lure and tempt men, mankind, mm -hmm. uh, into, um, just depravity. And, and so when you think about it that way, it's not a literal city of Babylon. It is um, just the depravity of man and how certain societies, cities, countries, whatever you want to uh, insert in there, how it can become synonymous with sin mm -hmm. and debauchery. So that was really interesting going into this. It's just kind of fascinating to dissect it a little more and see what words exactly mean what. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, perfect. So now diving back into where we left off from last time. So at the end of the Great Tribulation, and after all the chaos, the bulls, the plagues, the trumpets, the Antichrist will convince the world leaders that they can defeat God at the battle um, called Armageddon. Mm -hmm. Right? So why is this battle so significant? Okay. Well, Armageddon... Um we, I mean, there's movies about it and mm -hmm. there's, it just, there's the word Armageddon, um, has such a connotation of the end, mm -hmm. catastrophic destruction, um, pain, all of those things is a connotation in our word, but it's actually, um, it's a finalization. Mm -hmm. I think is probably the best way to say it. And, um, he, you know, it, the Bible says that heaven will open up. Yep. And Jesus will come back on a white horse, which is usually symbolic of victory. Yep. This is when he comes back as the roaring lion, not uh -huh. the sacrificial lamb. Mm -hmm. And he's going to come back um, with his heavenly army. And we are all going to come behind him. All believers up to that point will come behind him as this, you know, heavenly entourage yeah. of, of warriors for Jesus. And the visual is just so incredible. And it's really what we live for. Yeah. It's really what we've devoted our lives for is to ultimately fight yep. and conquer evil. Yep. Uh, I know. <laughs> it's just like thinking about that. Just like all of us finally coming back with him. So it's so significant because this is, when Jesus finally returns, mm -hmm. he returns because of this battle and to defeat the world leaders, defeat the beast and the antichrist. And, uh, and we all get to come back with them. Well, believers. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. All the believers, um, who were raptured, mm -hmm. uh, we get to come back with him. And what's really cool. And we were discussing this a little bit before we began filming. Um, so we always looked at it and maybe it's Hollywood did it to us yeah. <laughs> because we think about Armageddon and we think about the big catastrophic explosions and we're all walking out of the fire. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's Hollywood. <ruined> it. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> like, it's supposed to be this big, huge, like yeah. catastrophic, unbelievable event. But the reality is the Bible doesn't describe it that way, mm -hmm. which is so much more awesome when you mm -hmm. think about it because i'm thinking we got the armor of god on we've yeah. got the sword we're of about faith. to be fighting like let's go yeah. but it's not like that i know <laughs> it was it was at first i was like oh <laughs> we don't get to we fight don't... just a little bit like, like no, 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 no. Uh, shoot i know <laughs> i'm picturing like 300 like, yes let's go <laughs> You know, just to enforce and impose yeah. Jesus's majesty, and it's like, huh? How arrogant was that? The thing that I have a position, yeah. <laughs> oh right? we get to do it too. Yeah, it's like, well, duh. We don't have anything to do with that. We we are following the Almighty Warrior, mm -hmm. and so actually, what the Bible says is that Jesus will defeat them with the sword of His mouth. 
which if you interpret it and you read the Bible and you dive into scripture, the sword of his mouth are his words. Mm -hmm. His words. So just like his heavenly father, God spoke everything into existence, he will speak and destroy all evil. Mm -hmm. Is that amazing? Yeah. It's actually really, really more cool and more epic to think that we don't even have the fight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what's the really cool part. And it wasn't really until today that that really kind of hit me. It was like, wow, we're doing all this and we're fighting and, you know, we're fighting the spiritual warfare today and we're trying to stand for righteousness Mm -hmm. and be unapologetic in our faith. And one day we're going to roar with Jesus the lion. No. We're just going to stand back yeah. there and watch. Yeah. We're going to see a yeah. golf clap. Good job. Get him. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. But yeah, that's so interesting. But again, so who re- we talked about the rapture and mm-hmm. everything. So when Jesus returns, the ones who were raptured with him are the ones who are returning with him. Yes. Because like we said, we talked about the tribulation, the great tribulation. There's no mention of the church in there. Right. We're already, you know, pulled up with Jesus. So this is the time when we get to come back. Yes. With Jesus. Yes. And, you know, we believe, Mm -hmm. um, I can't wait to find out, but we believe that um, Jesus, when the Bible says Jesus will return with a heavenly army, it Mm -hmm. is the raptured saint. It is the believers. Uh, It is the heavenly army, which arguably I hope there's angels in there too, you Mm -hmm. know? And so that's, what's really cool is that we are going to be surrounded. And the really cool part with, uh, when you think about Christian persecution and how we have to endure and how we have to try and maintain righteousness in a world that's condemning us. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes even in families that are not like-minded. Uh, what's really cool is not only is that visual where we will be there with him, behind him, but we'll be there with all like-minded people yeah. who are living out the same purpose mm-hmm. is to worship and glorify God and to be on his army. And for me, that is such an awesome visual. Like yeah. you just look to the left and the right and you all have a common goal. Yep. And it's just such a beautiful feeling. Definitely. I can't wait. I know. <laughs> and I also love... I love this visual too what, about when it talks about him coming back. It says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many di- diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. Amazing. Wow. It's so incredible. Yeah. Just that visual thinking about it is just, I'm in awe of it. It's so cool. And I always love the visuals of um, just the purity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. How cool is it to think of this warrior, this conquering king, all dressed all chill and white mm-hmm. <laughs> with all his heavenly angels and army. And it's just, it's so interesting that even in battle, mm-hmm. even in conquering the evil, he just, the visual is still peaceful. Yeah. You know? And I think that's part of what we get to. It's like, it's not a bloodbath. Yeah. He, just, he speaks it. <laughs> yeah. You know what and I mean? The, yeah. Like how beautiful is that? Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not, um, this graphic gory thing in this moment. It's righteousness conquering, not might. Exactly. Not strength, not violence, mm-hmm. not anger. It's just, the will of his word standing on righteousness. And that's such a beautiful visual because Mm -hmm. it it does obviously speak to a conquering king, but just such a loving and righteous and just king. He's such a different way than you would think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you think of all the battles of earth or when you, you know, when you think of Armageddon, Right? Or movies we've seen or anything. Like, who's ever fought like that with yeah. righteousness and justness with their words? Like, yeah. who? Nobody. It's incredible. And it's just such a beautiful visual mm-hmm. um, that it it gives me even more respect for Jesus. Exactly. Because he could, he, you know, he could be nasty. Yeah. He, you know, these are people who denied him. He told them what would happen. Mm-hmm. I know. You get, you get what you're... There's you, no secrets. Yeah. Like, it's right out there. Mm-hmm. And no, he just comes back and in like almost like another act of compassion. Yeah. He just speaks it. Yeah. It's just really cool. It definitely is. So after Jesus annihilated the armies of the world, where was the Antichrist and the false prophets set? And what about Satan? Where was he sent? Yeah. I love this part. So Mm -hmm. what's really cool is, um, God is exercising his authority and his power over Mm -hmm. these entities. And so in Revelation 19, 19, the Bible tells us that the Antichrist and the false prophets will gather the governments and armies of the earth, rule by the Antichrist, Mm -hmm. and lead them into the battle of Armageddon. We just covered that. 
But Jesus will capture them both and throw them into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. And so that's hell or a final destination for the wicked. Mm -hmm. Um, And the unbelieving, this is different from the abyss mentioned in uh, Revelations 9.1. And the army gathered behind them will be slaughtered by Jesus and the sword coming out of his mouth. So this is where all of this, what we just talked about, is discussed. But this Mm -hmm. is the first mention of what he's going to do with the beast and the false prophet. Yep. He's just going to cast them into the lake of fire. Yep. And poop, we're yeah. done. Like, <laughs> you know? All right, peace out. So he doesn't even waste yeah. time on it. It's like, poop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? And so it's it's just a cool, again, it's a cool visual. It's like, I'm going to deal with you all, but, you know, forget you. Yeah. You know, like, there's just no done. energy, no time mm-hmm. for it. Just, you're gone. And that's another cool thing. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't let them fight it out. He doesn't get an opportunity to challenge it. He yep. just casts them in the yeah. lake of fire. Next. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's really Effortless. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's just, it's so, it's just, it's so cool. Yeah. It's like, he doesn't even care. It's like, eh. well, I love it. Yep. And then Satan is sent though to the abyss, which is a different place than mm-hmm. where the Antichrist was sent to. Mm-hmm. Right. So it says in Revelation 23, it says, and he threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for a short time. Mm-hmm. It's really cool that, um, again, God is still not done with him. Remember, mm-hmm. Lucifer is Satan. Mm -hmm. Satan was Lucifer. Mm -hmm. Lucifer meaning morning star, God's favorite angel, his beloved. Mm -hmm. Um, He was a beautiful, perfect, heavenly being designed and created to live in unity with Christ and God in heaven. Mm -hmm. And once again, he he sends him away temporarily. Mm -hmm. You know, almost again, it was almost an act of compassion, you know? Yeah. Um, And Again, now Satan, he became Satan when he fell from heaven um, through the betrayal of God. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's so interesting to me. Like he he could destroy him at any moment, mm-hmm. but he just sends him away mm-hmm. temporarily. It's honestly compassionate to him, and it's compassionate to the people left on earth who no longer have to deal with Satan for that period of time. Right? It's like now he's gone. Mm-hmm. So uh, so then, what happens after they are sent away? Well, after they're sent away, um, what's really cool is that. God now will reign for the millennial for a thousand years mm-hmm. on earth with all the inhabitants of earth at that time. Mm-hmm. So what's really cool is we will get now to live on earth in unity with Jesus for a thousand years with no devil. How cool is that? No influence. Yeah. No <sighs> temptation. No sat- yeah. satanic influence. Oh, that's going to be amazing. <laughs> I can't wait for that. So who is going to reign with Jesus on earth for the thousand year millennium of the kingdom on earth? Who's going to reign with him? So when Jesus returns on earth, he's going to return with the angel armies, right? So that's with his church, everyone that was raptured, mm-hmm. they're going to come back and reign with him on the earth as well as um, he is going to resurrect the people all the way since Adam and Eve. He's going to re- resurrect all of the believers. So all the awesome. saints, all the believers from that time, they're going to come back with them. They're going to reign as well as the ones who were martyrs during the tribulation period. So awesome. these are the people who, you know, died, um, not taking the mark of the beast. These are the ones who repented and finally came to Jesus during that tribulation period. So these people also will be resurrected and will reign with him on for a thousand years on earth as well. So awesome. So awesome. And Satan won't be there. Nope. And Satan won't be there. So none of his influence, none of that kind of stuff. Um, so that's going to be awesome. But as well, there's also going to be people who enter this millennial kingdom who have been on the earth. So right. these ones are ones who have, did not pass away, but were, you know, on the earth during these times. But these are unbelievers. So right. there will also be unbelievers who enter the millennial kingdom as well. I, that's the crazy part to think about because 
uh, you know, when I used to think about the millennium, I would think about like, it's just, it's a time when all of the believers are with Jesus on mm-hmm. earth and it's just going to be an amazing worship system. And then I realized, wait a minute, it's a thousand years. Mm-hmm. There's still going to be unbelievers. And of course they're going to populate and they're yep. going to have babies. And so mm-hmm. there's going to be generations and generations of people who will still have that free will and still yep. have that choice, whether or not they choose Jesus, whether or not they rebuke Jesus. Um, so that's really something that I hadn't thought about. I just thought, okay, all the believers are with Jesus for a thousand years. And when you think in in Christian speak, you think, oh, the millennial is for believers. But mm-hmm. no, we're going to be commingling and interacting again with non-believers who are left over from the Great Tribulation, but also who um, marry and have babies during mm-hmm. that thousand year reign. Right? I didn't understand that either yeah. until we went through the study. I was like, wow, that's so interesting that there still will be them left in the millennial kingdom. And... Satan won't be a part of it though. So yeah. that's where the twist comes in. Mm-hmm. But even still, they some of them won't want to come to Jesus. Isn't that yeah. crazy? It's wild because, you know, we are influenced by Satan yeah. and we're tempted by Satan yeah. being in the flesh. It's just a part of being a human. Um, but when Satan isn't prowling and his, his demonic army isn't prowling around and tempting and everything, Left to our own devices, the sinful nature is there, but the sinfulness isn't cultivated Mm -hmm. the way it is when you have Satan in your ear and the way it is when you have his demonic forces tempting you and trying to pull you off track into sinfulness and immorality. And that's something I didn't consider either because it's so interesting, you know, that um, sinfulness and sinful desires can be dormant until they're giving given some temptation or some catalyst that truly sends them into sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I never thought about that in the millennium, that we will be uh, dealing with that. And so it comes back to why this message is so important. Uh, is, you know, it's easy for us as believers to say, well, we don't have to deal with this. It's not our problem. Mm-hmm. But people that we love, it will be their problem. And our generations to come and, and our children's children's children uh, will have to deal with this stuff. And so it's really important that we spread the good word and the news and the gospel and all every detail of this. Because like you and I just mentioned, this is something that we've heard before, but we're looking at it in a new angle going, mm-hmm. oh, wow. This is, this is going to be an issue. There's going to be unbelievers who they are going to be, you know, on, on the fence. And how can we tip the scales into righteousness and into faith in Jesus Christ versus falling for the schemes of the devil and, and fostering uh, faithfulness rather than the desire to be immoral? And um, it's just another call to action that I never even considered would be a call to action until we really dove into this content. Absolutely. That's so true to think about. And, you know, we really, that is our call as believers is to help those we love, help those see the light and Mm -hmm. see, you know, there's just a better way. And that's Jesus, you know? Yeah. And the only way. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people think, you know, we've talked about it in other episodes. Well, if I'm a good person and God is a God of love and, and, I'll and be forgiveness. Yeah, it'll yeah. be okay. Or again, we'll I'll wait till the last minute, but that's not the case. And yeah. so it's interesting, you know, we need we need to um, not only grow his kingdom now, mm-hmm. but plant seeds for generations to come. And that's what the Bible is doing. We're reading it thousands of years later. Exactly. But each new generation, each time the gospel is handed off to someone, we are then commissioned to continue to hand it off and pay it forward. Exactly. And so that's something, you know, it doesn't stop with us. And we should not be selfish enough to go, okay, this salvation and and the millennial with Jesus Christ is mine. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to give it away to somebody else. Yeah. You know, it's it's not that we do it intentionally, but we think, okay, I'm good. Yeah. So well, well, I, I tried. I mentioned it to so and so, and she wasn't into it. <laughs> you but know? I'm good. <laughs> yeah. so we got to be careful with that. And yeah. So it's, an, it's just a good reminder, and it's something yeah. I never considered uh, in the millennial period that that would be an issue. Yeah. I always thought it was like there were no unbelievers left, but um, and that's why Bible study is so important mm-hmm. because. You know, there's there's um, popular verses, um, there's cherry-picked verses, um, there's cool and trendy verses, mm-hmm. and then in the minutia of it, you get this wisdom and this understanding of the bigger picture that is essential to be shared. Yeah. And that's why we really have to dive into it, you know, not on our social media feeds and you see a verse and it's like, oh, it's a feel-good thing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really something you have to dive in and dissect every word and study it and comprehend it and then apply it. 
Yeah, and they say it's the living word, you know. Yeah, Each amen. time you read it, you learn something different. It yeah. speaks to you. God speaks to you in different ways every single time. Exactly. So it's like you don't just read it once like, oh, okay, I'm done. Like you read it over and over again, and you get something different out of it every single time. Amen. Amen. And that's why, you know, even as a believer for a long period of time, um, you're in different seasons of comprehension yourself. So where I'm at in my season of life today is different than 10 years ago, and it's different exactly. than 10 years from now. Um, so you always just have to stay in the Word and and really ask God and pray to Him for a revelation and an understanding and then a practical application for your life so that you can live out the Word. But it's a continual thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So what will Jesus's kingdom be like? What will this 1,000 years kind of look like? It's really cool. It says like the lamb, the Bible verses, the lamb will lay with the lion. Yeah. And, um, you know, in back in Adam and Eve times, God said, you know, you men and the serpent mm-hmm. will be at odds continuously. In this period, we won't. Mm-hmm. Again, Satan's not around to influence. Exactly. Um, so it'll be a time of great peace and great joy and not only will we um, be aware of Jesus, mm-hmm. not only will we be faithful and believing in Jesus, we'll be in His presence, and that's what's really cool. Um, so he, he won't—he will be tangible to us, and um, not as a reward necessarily, but um, as joy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not—it's not a reward system. Yep. It's—it's it's true joyful worship and to be in the presence of the King. Uh, and this this person that we've gave our life to, and in some cases we're martyred for. Yep. That we now, okay, now we get to eat with him. We get to to um, be in his presence and talk to him and walk with him and see the glory and the wonder of this this God, this Jesus that we gave our lives to. And I can't wait. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh my god. It's goodness. hard to comprehend. It really is. It is. It's really hard to comprehend. Um, so even after Jesus reigns with his kingdom of peace and love and a great life for people, um, people will still reject God. Yeah. Why do you think this is? It goes back to the dumb free will. Why do we, why do we um, rebuke God? Why do we stand in this prideful nature? So if you haven't seen it, um, our original, original sin episode mm-hmm. um, talks about the fall of Lucifer from heaven and his uh, new reign as Satan, the devil on earth. Uh, it all began with pride yep. and ego. And he wasn't content being with God. He wanted to be like God. He wasn't content worshiping God. He wanted to be worshiped like God. Mm-hmm. And sadly, as a human being living in our flesh, we have that same selfish, self-serving desire. Um, so there will still be people who will want to glorify that selfish, sinful desire. Um, and so it, it's we don't want to cultivate it, obviously, um, but it's in all of us. Mm-hmm. And that's why constant prayer mm-hmm. um, and being in, in reverence of the Lord is really important because sometimes what you're most um, arrogant about, if you will, or most haughty about, or what you think, oh, I will never sin in that manner, is often where you will fall mm-hmm. um, because, um, because that's where the enemy will attack it and that's where the temptation will come. Um, so it's really interesting that in this time period, there will still be Jesus, people who reject Jesus because they're going to see what he has just mm-hmm. like Lucifer saw what God has. Yep. And it, they won't be content to exist in that. They will want to obtain it. Yeah. They'll burn with that jealousy and that pride and mm-hmm. want that and envy him instead of wanting to worship him. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. And it's in our nature. And that's why being in the Word, it's not enough to just say, I believe in Jesus Mm -hmm. or I give my life to Jesus. It's critical that we're in the Word because the Word reveals where we need our our arrogance to be tamed, Mm -hmm. um, where we need to check our pride and how to do it with humility and service and and all of these um, tactics and these um, lifestyle and character traits that we need to cultivate and the fruits of the Spirit so that um, so that we don't fall to pride and ego and um, to the arrogance and the, the narcissism and the self-serving nature of our flesh. Absolutely. And you can't do that. You can't ignore that those things are there. Mm-hmm. Um, the most wonderful Christians still battle that. Um, so you can't ignore that those things don't exist. Um, you have to be aware of it, and you have to uh, cultivate a toolbox of weapons, heavenly weapons, definitely, um, so that you don't fall for those things and into temptation. Yeah, the worst thing you can do is just ignore it and not mm-hmm. want to acknowledge it and just keep falling into it because mm-hmm. the enemy will use it 
oh, right yeah. against you. Oh yeah, it's unbelievable. And so the more you get in the word and the more you understand these things, not only is it a heavenly toolbox of uh, a manner in which that we can fight these things, but we understand that it has eternal implications. Mm-hmm. That's another aspect of it. It's not like I'm just, I'm not fighting spiritual warfare for today. Yeah. I'm fighting spiritual warfare today for eternity. Mm-hmm. And so when you expand upon that, like, okay, I'm in, a, I'm in a suffrage state or I'm in a difficult situation. I need to get through it today. No, I need to get through it today for eternity. And so it's important that we put that into perspective too. And that's why we're at in the book of Revelation right now, because today has heavenly implication. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> So after the 1,000 years, Satan will be released from the abyss. Mm -hmm. What happens once he is released? It's almost unbelievable. If it wasn't Satan, you'd be like, this guy. I know, right? (laughs) It's like, like, just take the L already, buddy. Come on. Exactly. (laughs) But that, again, is indicative of how consuming pride is. Mm -hmm. And he's at the point where he's done so much damage and he's so separated from God he can't, he can't repair that now. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's gone so far off track that he just wants to, to, you know, cultivate an army and people who remain off track with him. And he has to know, he knows the end. He knows the Bible as well as we do. He knows God as well or better than we do. And, um, he knows the end, but he's just, he'll be more content bringing more people with him into the lake of fire than he will go on his own. And he's selfish and he's self-serving. And so he will prowl the four corners of the earth and all of humanity that is left and try and entice believers to the dark side and try and entice the unbelievers, the people who were existing after the tribulation and born in the millennium. He's going to try and get them to, to for one last battle, go against God. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. unbelievable that he would try this again, but he does. And what's worse is he will gather an army. There will be many, many people who he is going to push that button of, of narcissism, of self-serving desires, of immorality, and the, the pride. He's going to push that button and call to action all of the sinful people who refuse God and reject God, and they're going to gather once more. How crazy. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> just, but again... God is a just God. Uh-huh. He gave Satan free will. <laughs> yep. And he's exercising it time and time again. And here's the thing, though. Satan isn't creative. Mm-hmm. He's doing exactly what he did to Adam and Eve. He just, there's more people now. Yep. <laughs> you know? He does the same thing over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> and because, you know, we're, we're complex as human beings, but our sinfulness is pretty basic. It's yeah. pretty It's pretty uh, predictable. Um, and so he's just going to do the same thing over and over again, and he will gather again. Um, but this time God will be victorious. He's had enough. Mm-hmm. He's, he's over the, this, this, um, wayward son, if you will, he's over Satan and he doesn't want to deal with it anymore. And he's given him plenty of opportunities to repent and he will finally conquer the evil in Satan and he will rain fire down from heaven and kill all all of the people that Satan had gathered. And it's cool. He's like, thanks for doing that for yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> he gathered them all together in one spot. Perfect. Exactly. It makes the job easy. <laughs> so that's what he's going to do. And finally, ultimately, God will conquer evil. And it's going to be miraculous. It's going to be like with Elijah on Mount Carmel, raining down heaven and um, raining down fire from heaven, heavenly fire that will scorch and burn. It's just, it's a, it's a very um, cataclysmic uh, image, but it's fitting. Mm. And the thing is, at the end, it's, 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 it's such a juxtaposition to when Jesus returns on the white horse and he just speaks it. This is more, more violent because we've been doing this for centuries and he's just had it with Satan and the people who fall and for it. And he deserves it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. That's what I thought was going to happen with Jesus. Yeah. Right? Like, we're ready we for it to happen now. then. Yeah. So. yeah. But the beautiful part is, again, we don't get our hands dirty. Yeah. As believers, we are witnesses to this and God does all the work. Again, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And it's not for us to do. And so it's, it's a really um, fitting end to Satan and to evil. But it's not the end of the story. Nope. There's still more to come. (laughs) I know. It's just, it's so cool, the Bible. But I'm glad we all got to see that first. Yeah. Right? 
And so, and then there's still more to come because God said, Jesus said, I will come again to judge the living and the dead. Yep. So now it's time for judgment. So we talked about the first resurrection. So that's, you know, for the millennial period Mm -hmm. where we resurrect, uh, where the saints are resurrected and the people from the rapture come and reign with him. So that's Mm -hmm. the first resurrection. So there's also a second resurrection. Mm -hmm. So what is the second resurrection? The second resurrection is when every human being that ever lived, believing and unbelieving, martyred and and crucified in that last uh, epic battle and with the, the satanic rebellion at the very end, um, everyone will be held accountable for everything. And like we've discussed in our other podcasts, you will be accountable for literally not every action, not every sin for every word you've ever spoken. You will have to tell an account of why you said what you said, why you did what you did. And, um, and to be honest, he's going to judge the believers more harshly because when you say you believe in God and you trust God and you're following God, that's an invitation to holiness with an expectation of at least an attempt being made <laughs> at righteousness. So, um, you know, what, you don't just get to say, I believe in heaven. Like, are we good? Yeah. So I get to go to heaven now. <laughs> doesn't yeah. work like that. Yeah. It's, it's a call to action, and, and faith is very much a verb. Definitely. So this time of judgment, so where are people sent that don't believe in Jesus, who are rejected? Where does this judgment leave them? This is my favorite part. They're going to go with the false prophet and the beast and Satan into the lake of fire, into the burning sulfur. And the image, and we've seen it, for centuries, we've read it in the Bible, we've seen it on cartoons. <laughs> I mean, hell fire, you hear, you know, so it's going to be a burning pit of hell and it's going to be pain and they're going to be in pain forever. It says that in the Bible that they will be in pain and burning forever. Oh, I feel so sad for their souls, but ultimately they chose, everyone gets to choose exactly. who they want to believe in and what their fate is. Exactly. And and that's another thing, you know, people talk about God's wrath, that he's pouring out his wrath. Yes, he very much is. But everyone in hell will have chosen that. Mm-hmm. God isn't doing this to people. Yes, ultimately, it's an act of his, but he has given people a choice and multiple choices and multiple opportunities to repent. And even in this end time that we've been discussing in this series, from the rapture to the tribulation, I mean, he's given us so many opportunities. So many chances. So many chances that um, whoever ends up in hell can't blame God. Yeah. Who, and by the time when this, you know, with, we talked about before, um, with social media, we all have computers in our pockets. Everyone has heard the name Jesus for the most part. Yeah. Um, have heard the name Jesus enough to at least have an opportunity to question about him. Tell me more about this Jesus, you know? And so everyone who ends up in hell will have earned their place there. Just like everyone who ends up in heaven will have earned their place there. Not by good works, by salvation and grace, but by belief and faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so it's important to remember that. Mm -hmm. Um, When you say, when you hear like God's wrath and God's judgment and God's condemnation, it sounds like something that's being inflicted upon people against their will. It's really not. It's something that they chose. And we have to remember that our God is compassionate and loving. But in order to maintain that character and that integrity, he also has to pour out the wrath that he promised if you reject him. He's just. Amen. And he does what he promises. Amen. All right. So finally, the old after judgment, the old heaven and the earth will completely be destroyed. And there will be a new heaven and earth. Mm -hmm. Um, In Revelation 21, 1, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there's no longer any any sea. So what will this new heaven and earth be like? Well, the Bible explains it as joy. Mm -hmm. Uh, There will be no pain, no suffering. Um, And it's, it's heaven on earth. And the implication is that heaven is joyous and heaven is worship and heaven is being in the presence of God. But it's, it's so much bigger than that because when you talk about no pain and no, um, no suffering and even the Bible, we were cracking up earlier because there's Bible verses that talk about the fact that in heaven, there will be no liars, no murderers. It actually says no politicians. <laughs> so <I thought laughs> Amen. <that> was- <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> it's so interesting. But I want to reinforce too that um, there's a lot of 
the reason why this has such a heavenly implication and the reason why it's so joyful is that um, heaven isn't just a place that we ultimately end up in with all our brokenness and our sadness and it's like oh we're finally here now i can have fun kind of a thing um, it's so much deeper than that and it's so much bigger than that and um, we won't know till we get there but i i believe in my whole heart this restoration um, that god is going to provide because salvation is not just a destination it's going to be um, it's going to be a posture it's going to be restoration it's going to be reconciliation with jesus christ and so i believe all the brokenness that we experience here on earth whether it be a physical ailment or disability whether it be a cognitive ailment or disability a learning disability an emotional disability, um, anything that we have suffered here on earth, we will have that restored. Mm. I don't know what we're going to look like. <laughs> I don't know how old we're going to be. But the thing is, if it's going to be no more pain or suffering and joy, then we have to be restored in our bodies and our souls. And I believe wholeheartedly that the greatest restoration will be the emotional the scars and the wounds that people can't see here on earth. I mean, we're going to be able to worship and sing and dance and rejoice and no pain. So we're going to have perfect bodies and perfect hearts and heads and minds and, and the emotional torment that we've endured here on earth, just as humans and also as followers of Jesus Christ, will be completely restored. And for me, that is such a joyous thing. I know, I know friends and family that I have here on earth who suffer greatly physically mm -hmm. or emotionally. Yep. And so it's not just, okay, we're in the presence of God. We are restored in Jesus Christ forever, mm -hmm. forever. And so it's a good reminder for anyone suffering in any capacity here on earth that that day is coming. Yeah. And it makes it worth it, right? Amen. To look amen. forward to. Yeah. And um, the joy that is in heaven and in being with, with Jesus and... Um, you know, people contemplate and speculate on what heaven is going to be like and all these questions we're going to ask God when we get there. And I just, I believe that when we get there, none of that's going to matter. I'm not going to care what happened to me when I was 17 that's bothering me now when I get to see Jesus. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> like, and this amazing new yeah. heaven on earth. Like, who cares about any of that? Yeah, I'd like to think I'm not that petty. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping a record of like, Jesus, can we talk about this? When I was 15, this was You rough. remember. <laughs> so I just think... None of it will matter. The brokenness won't matter. The pain, the questions that we have, and why do good people suffer, and why does evil exist, and why did God make us if he's going to give us free will to sin? I mean, all of these things will no longer matter. Mm -hmm. I think we'll be in a state of knowledge and understanding that God has granted to us that it's not that we'll understand all of those things and make sense of all of those things. We'll just have such a greater understanding that it doesn't exactly doesn't matter all that matters is to worship our alpha and omega our heavenly father our our provider our doctor our comforter you know all of all of the things that he is is what we will focus on not all the things that we're not or that Amen. we didn't have exactly and so i think it's just such a good reminder of that um that this this heaven on earth is coming and it's going to be i mean the the, the last book of revelation describes the the visuals and i encourage everyone i know we're at the end of our series and it could have been eight episodes yeah i mean there's really, just though, so much in there uh, we tried to this study though i did too and i think i think people are unjustly scared of this book mm -hmm. um and I wasn't scared of it when we started this series. I honestly wanted to do this more out of like curiosity. Like, well, why, why is this so scary? I mean, I'd read it before and I'd done some studies on it. And why is it so intimidating to the body of Christ? And I can see now why, because it's real. Yeah. And we will be held accountable and there's no getting out of it. And so that's intimidating. But as believers in Jesus Christ, it's so joyful. It is so joyful and it's so encouraging. Um, but that also comes with a commission. That now we now that we know this, we have to share this. Yep, exactly. And so I've, I'm leaving this series um, and this study with a greater sense of purpose. I'm leaving this study with a greater sense of peace and excitement for the joy. Amen. How about you? Yeah. What do you think? I mean, this has been so extensive and there's been a lot of questions that I have been wondering, you know, mm -hmm. and that have been answered and God's really been speaking to me during this study. And same thing. I just feel like 
now that I have studied this and God has spoken to me, I just want to let others know. Like mm-hmm. I want to help them understand because mm-hmm. same like you said, for some reason people don't want to read Revelation. And it's kind of like that ignorance is bliss type of thing. Right. You know, if I don't know, then who cares? Like I won't have to worry about it. But there is so much hope in that book. Mm-hmm. There's so much joy. And there's also, you know, exactly a greater call. Yeah. Like you feel like, Oh my goodness. Now it's just the people that I love. Like I want them to be in heaven with me. Like, Amen. so looking forward and looking at things of heaven, not so much on this world, like what's happening right now, but things to look forward to. Amen. You Amen. Know? And it gave me, um, more of a compassion for people who don't know mm-hmm. because, um, actually let me change that. Not for people who don't know people who have already rejected Jesus. Mm. Um, at least the people that I know in my orbit, um, mm. they've heard of them. They've heard of them from me. Uh, and I have a compassion for them. There's a, an, an ounce of frustration. Like, I don't know how you don't get it. Yeah. Like <laughs> I just don't, but, but there's, you know, there's a, a smidgen of that in there. But at the same time, it's like, I have such a deep compassion for these people who just don't get it. And, and, it, I think it will help me to um, minister better in terms of my approach. So my approach is not, it won't be a scare tactic. Uh, it won't be condemnation. It will simply be, I love you so much that I need you to hear this. And ultimately we can't make decisions for people, mm-hmm. but I think that approach is much more effective uh, more loving yeah. and in fact, more Christ-like than perhaps approaches that I've taken in the past. Not that I've, you know, threatened people with eternal damnation. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to hell. Just letting you know. Good luck. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think I've done that. Maybe I have. I don't know if I've done that. I haven't intentionally. <laughs> I think my approach has softened a little bit because yeah, definitely. it's from a deep, it's from a better understanding. Mm-hmm. It's from, uh, a really growing sense of urgency in everything that I've been seeing and hearing in the world. Um, and also just a deep, deep desire to grow God's kingdom and see as many people as possible in the new heaven and the new earth and just reign with Jesus. And, um, and that goes for people who I feel have wronged me. Um, like I said before, this Jesus that we serve, this Alpha and Omega, this amazing, compassionate, loving God, um, he deserves our worship uh, and he's patient. And so when I think about, well, how am I going to approach people moving forward? I want to lead with all that, but also say, you know what? He keeps his promises. Mm-hmm. And so I think I will be more of an advocate for revelation now. Yeah. Um, and, and, Praise God, I pray that I'll be able to soften people's hearts and take some of the the stigma off it. You know, because it outlines the end of the world, doesn't mean we need to avoid it. In fact, it's the opposite. It's really the opposite. It really is. And you should want to know more about it. You should want to know. Because once you start to read it, things around you start to make more sense. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you get a clarity, um, a heavenly clarity. Exactly. And, um, and when you realize really who God is and the fact like God's wrath being poured out, isn't, isn't, um, like we said, unjust or cruel. Um, it's actually the fact that we're here talking right now is shows us that he's patient, Mm -hmm. shows us that there's people that he's been knocking on their heart and they haven't turned to him yet. And he's just given us time. And, um, and I pray, I pray that we have enough time to, um, to speak to everyone that, I mean, it's predetermined. He knows who's out there and who's ready to listen. And um, that's why we've been doing this. This is why we feel so strongly about this. Um, it's not because we felt like we were better than anyone or know more than anyone. <laughs> it's really coming from a place of urgency and, and a really passionate heart for the word of Jesus Christ, for advancing his gospel unapologetically in a world gone crazy mm-hmm. where up is down, left is right, good is bad. I mean, it's just... It's unbelievable the signs of the end times like we discussed. And so we really need to um, have that urgency and that love for others to share it. Amen. Shall we pray? Yes, please. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for the blessings that you've given us and for sending this revelation to John, your beloved son, Lord. 
um, for him to write it, for him to be obedient. Um, Lord, our submission and our surrender and our service to you begins with obedience. And we ask, Lord, that um, Lisa and I have obedience to continue to advance your gospel. Yes. Lord, that we be unapologetic and that we have clarity and wisdom and discernment uh, in our interpretation of the Bible, in our explanation of the Bible, Lord, and also in our life application. Um, how we live it out, how we explain it, how we inspire others, Lord, to seek you. Uh, Lord, we ask that uh, you knock on the hearts of everyone who hears this today, Lord, and that you advance um, advance our podcast so that we can save all of those that you're waiting to reach within our tangible orbit, Lord, where we can touch lives, where we can lead people to you, where we can glorify you and give them the good news, the good, the real news of Revelation, Lord. Yes. Uh, we thank you for your patience. Thank you for waiting for us to come to you. You tapped on our hearts, Lord, and you pursued us when we were lost. And we're just asking for the same for our family members who haven't turned to you, Lord. Please continue to pursue them. Leave the 99, Lord, and go find them. Help us to spread the word to find them, Lord. Help us to live out um, your word. Help us to be a beacon of light of you, Lord, so that when people see us, that they see you. That our words be yours, Lord. Help the Holy Spirit to go with us and to before us and beside us, Lord, so that we may represent you in your true glory, Lord, so that people will see you in all we do. Lord, I ask that you knock on the hearts of our listeners and that they turn to you, Lord, and that we see them and rejoice in the new heaven and the new earth. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for joining us. We hope your time with us has brought you closer to God. And makes you feel equipped, empowered, and encouraged to experience Eden on this side of heaven. To connect with us, please find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day!